Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Well, if you're in our online audience, you may um, have noticed earlier that something was said in the room that you were not able to hear online, and that was a word of prophecy that came forth this morning that says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's the essence of the prophecy, that nothing can separate us from God's wonderful, perfect, uh, all-consuming love. You know, Romans 8.38 says, for I am convinced that nothing can separate us, neither heights nor depths nor angels or demons, anything in the past or the present can separate us from the love of God. And in the new King James, it says, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Have you been fully persuaded yet? Because if not, the Lord is continuing continuing to show his love and he will do that until you are fully persuaded that his love is the greatest force in this universe amen amen thank you worship team aren't you just so pleased with how they lead us to the father's heart every week just so genuinely and so wonderfully and beautifully lead us to the father's heart Well, we are so glad that you guys came out and joined us on this cold and rainy morning. Uh, Would you find someone you don't know? Find someone you don't know. Introduce yourself and tell them, welcome home this morning. For those of you that are joining us online, welcome home to you as well. We are so glad that you are here with us today. And if you would give us a shout out of where you are watching from, we would love to say hello and acknowledge your importance to us as well today as those in the room. We're so glad you're with us. Takes a little bit longer when you have to find someone you don't know, right? But that's okay. That's okay. We're glad you did. So glad you guys are meeting people you don't know. Those of you online, hopefully you met someone you don't know as well. Maybe you can chat back and forth about where you're from or where you're watching today. Well, we're so glad if you are new to us or maybe you've been checking us out for just a little while and you're trying to decide, is this going to be where we plant our roots? Or maybe you've been here forever and you're like, you know, do we have anything for kids, youth, men, women? You know, whatever the questions are you may have, that is what the Connect card is for there in the seat back in front of you. You can fill that out if you want to know more about baptisms that are coming up, if you want to know more about becoming a member of Calvary, whatever your questions may be. Fill out that Connect card or on the back, you'll see it has a QR code and you can also fill it out digitally. If you fill out the physical Connect card, you can drop it off in the giving kiosks in the back of the room. And those of you joining with us online, you should be having a digital Connect card pop up right there. And you can do the very same to find out more about Calvary and how you can 
get more involved in calling it your home as well. Well, I mentioned the giving kiosks. Those are obviously there as well. If you need to give your tithe or offering today, there should be an envelope in the seat back in front of you where you can tuck that in there and then drop it off at the giving kiosk. Or you can give digitally as always at Calvary Triad forward slash, or excuse me, calvarytriad.church forward slash give. Or you can text to give at 84321. Those digital options will also afford you the opportunity to do recurring giving. If you just don't want to think about it every week, that's what we do. It just makes it a lot simpler and easier. So check that out. And while you're doing that, we're also going to check out what is going on this week in the life of Calvary Church. Hey everybody, I'm Jordan. Welcome to Calvary, and thanks for worshiping with us today. Great things are happening here at Calvary, so check this out. Here at Calvary, small groups are a big deal. Jesus himself modeled this for us in his life and ministry, and we believe there's no better way to follow Jesus than to grow in our relationships with each other. You can find all of our groups online at calvarytriad.church forward slash groups. Join one today and find God through connection with others. We're better together. Our next water baptism service is February 12th. If you've not been baptized in water, this is your next step in following Jesus. Not only has he commanded us to do it, but he also modeled it for us by being baptized himself. It's also a great opportunity to share your faith and invite friends and family to Calvary to come and see you get baptized. So don't wait any longer. Sign up to get baptized today. Lastly, please be sure to mark your calendars for our annual business and vision meeting this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. For more information on all of these events or to register, visit calvarytriad.church forward slash info. We're so glad you could join us today. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at calvarytriad.church and on Facebook and Instagram at calvarytriad. Now let's prepare our hearts to receive God's word. Amen. Amen. I love the way they end those videos every week to prepare our hearts for God's word. Can you do me a favor and just let that be the posture that we all take at this moment of our uh, gathering when we come into these moments to just prepare our hearts. So as you're doing that, I do want to just echo what you've heard about this Wednesday night. It's it's an incredible night for us to look at what the Lord has done and to celebrate the faithfulness of God through the ministries of Calvary here this past year. And also it's going to be a unique opportunity uh, for me to share some vision pieces going forward. You do not want to miss that if you are, are a member of Calvary for sure, even if you're not just checking out, come show up. That'll be, you know, how many people, you know, visit a church on a business meeting? Well, it's going to be a fun time. And I've been told that we may have snacks too. So now there's been a big debate this week on what kind of snacks. So just, I don't even know what that's going to be. So it'll be, it'll be a fun time as a kind of a family gathering here, but the whole family gathering is something that uh, I've asked him to come and help me celebrate a little bit that we've, we've added to our family a little bit. 
So yeah, share us uh, some new members and we're going to recognize and pray for them here today. Yeah, so we do have new members to recognize this morning. If you're wondering how these people became members, we have a welcome home class that meets the first three weeks uh, of every month on Sunday mornings at nine o'clock. So go through that class. And um, that is how, that is the first step to becoming a member of Calvary Church. These people have completed welcome home class and have... uh, applied for membership and been accepted. And so if you will please stand when I call your name and if the rest of us will hold our applause till the end, we'll welcome them all into the family at the same time. Dustin and Andrea Bainter, Autumn Boykin, Carl Dawson, Connie Decker, Tim Healy, Amanda Moore, Rick O'Reilly, Stacy Richburg, Edgar Riego, Brian and Tori Shaw, Shayla Simpson, Thor, and Jordan Smith. Family, can we welcome these new members into our awesome. body? Stay, stay standing with us. Stay standing with us where you're at. You guys know we have two services, and some may have been in the morning service. If you're sitting beside one of these that have stood, would you just uh, stand beside them and lift uh, and put your hand on their shoulder? Uh, church family, would you just stretch your hands forward to these families and members that are represented here? And let's pray for them. God, I pray that your blessings would just be upon these families and individuals that are represented by those that have made a commitment to um, just uh, just be a part of this family, this local expression of your body. And God, we don't take that lightly. We just so honor and appreciate them for this level of, of, of ownership that they have into what you're doing in this area. I pray that you'd bless their families and bless just their lives in a tremendous way. We love you and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, give them a hand one more time for going through that process. And that's, that's important that, uh, they, uh, that you, many of you have already done that. Obviously, the, the business and vision meeting this Wednesday night in order to be a part of some of those. Um, we have some uh, positions of leadership that by our constitution bylaws are voted upon, and those are voted upon by the members. And so that's why um, those types of things are important uh, to be a part in what God is doing here in Calvary. And he's doing some really incredible things. Have you noticed um, what God, just kind of some of the momentum? I'll tell you what, if you have not been here in the last couple of weeks on Wednesday night, I just want to just kind of uncover like the, the biggest, you know, the awesome secret of effectiveness that's happening on, on Wednesday night. And if you need that kind of the, the middle of the week recharge, like, you know what, sometimes we just go from Sunday to Sunday, from glory to glory, right? And, and there's just those moments in the middle of the week when you're like, boy, I need some Jesus in my life right now, right? I just want to encourage you to, to be here and celebrate what God is doing on Wednesdays here at the church, small groups all over the place for all ages. And uh, it's just been fun to see um, God putting some of those roots into our lives as we follow Jesus in different opportunities, uh, one of those being on Wednesday. This Wednesday, as I'm kind of celebrating that, this Wednesday is a little bit different, right? We're all going to be meeting together up in the youth auditorium at 7 o'clock again, Snacks. So anyway, yeah, there you go. And, and, um, the, the team is probably really nervous that I'm making a big deal of that because it's probably not really a big deal, but that's what we do. We just, you know, oversell it a little bit and then you guys are there anyway. So there you go. Anyway, hey, today is a day that we're going to continue our series in the book of Acts. And if you haven't been with us um, for the last couple of weeks, or actually we stretched it into the, the, um, the middle of last year, we've been in this series 
uh, simply called The Story Continues. And the reason why that that phrase is so important is because as God launched his church, and we read the history of that in the book of Acts, um, we understand that the ending of that story has still not happened yet. And we are a part of that story continuing in us. And so we've been seeing all through this journey what part we play in that. And so today is no different. I'm excited about where we're heading in God's word today in Acts chapter 12. We're going to tackle five verses, the first five verses of Acts chapter 12. Some of you remember in the last couple of weeks, we've tackled huge portions of scripture, right? And so those of you that are, are like, man, we just need to really go deep type people, that's really caused you a little bit of stress. So today is going to be great for you. Five verses, and we're going to go really deep on those five. And uh, I just encourage you to take some notes, not because of anything um, super profound or anything because of what I'm going to say, but I believe that God is going to speak through his word to you that you may need to hear now, but you also may need to file it away and, and remind yourself of it tomorrow or next week or next month, because I just believe this is a powerful word that God has for us today. In the last couple of chapters of the book of Acts, the first 11 chapters, there's been really um, some great storytelling opportunities, these, these high, um, high highlight reel moments. And we've seen like Ananias and Sapphira, they come into the, to the, the church there, the house of the presence of the Lord, and, and boy, they lied to God. And what happened? They just plumb got killed right there. They, I mean, that's like, that would make a movie, right? There's things that we see of, of deliverance and people's healing and people being set free and, and all these high drama type things. And so this story of the book of Acts is really compelling. And it's really almost easy to look at the story and then the application of it to our lives. These first five verses of Acts chapter 12, however, have caused me to approach this a little bit differently because if you'll allow me to be um, unbelievably transparent with you here today, um, these first five verses, when I was studying and preparing, they caused me to, to, to kind of question God. You say, oh my goodness, what kind of church have I walked into? Now stay with me, understand that there are times when we walk through and we read God's, God's word and his scripture, and that we don't, you know, we, we don't allow that to, to turn into to unhealthy um, doubt or questioning. But I believe that God allows us the freedom to encounter his word, and he's a big enough God for us to say, God, why'd you say that? Or why did that happen? And these five verses have really... Um, confronted me this week. And I just want you, if you'll allow me to go on this little journey of, um, of wrestling with the truths of God's word together. Can we do that? All right. For the three of us that have said yes to that, that's fine. For the rest of you, you're just, no, I'm just teasing. Hey, stay with me and we'll see what God's speaking. The first uh, five verses of Acts chapter 12 lead, lead us with this idea. And if you're note takers, you'll put this little phrase and we'll unpack a little bit more what this means in a minute. And that is this, you are, I am not. You are, I am not. Let's see what that means. First one of chapter 12, it says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. And he had the apostle James, who is John's brother, killed with a sword. 
That's pretty definitive, right? That's a statement. There's just no turning back from that. He is dead, right? And then when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. When I was reading this this week, I was like, wait a second. Why, God, did you allow Herod to kill James but just arrest Peter? And then that to take place during this Passover celebration when people would have been gathered there almost as if it was a skeptical, there was this differing treatment of the two, right? You know, if you read through the story of Jesus, that he had three that were really of his disciples that were really close to him, Peter, James, and John. And yet we see here that God has in his, we'll hear this word a lot today, sovereignty allowed James to be treated differently than Peter. And when I read that, I say, wait a second, God, what? Why? Well, it says there on in verse four, it says, Herod imprisoned him, Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Now stop right there and just understand that, that we already know, we've read through in the first portion of the book of Acts, that Peter's already been the recipient of some pretty um, divine escapes, right? Before leaders and councils and, and, and wise people say, hey, my recommendation is you better leave these men alone. And they're, they're allowed to go on. There's been these moments of kind of a, a quick getaway, so to speak, for Peter that, that God has already intervened tremendously in these moments, and yet James is killed, and Peter's imprisoned, and we wonder, why, God, do you treat people differently that seemingly have the same purpose and intention? Verse 5 says, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. And I got to be honest with you, when I was reading these first five portions of the book of Acts, trust me, you're not, you're not here saying, I'm this, I, I believe God is on the throne. But if I read this passage, my flesh wants to question, God, why, did not you, why didn't you allow the church the opportunity to pray for James as well? Because we'll see in the next portion of chapter 12 that, man, God is setting Peter up for yet another um, miraculous I- experience, right? And, and using that as a testimony, but James is dead. So I say, God, why in your sovereignty, and we'll unpack that word here in just a minute, is, is that the way you chose to, to kind of play this? Why, why, did that, why did that resolve like that? And I got to be honest with you, I am not going to give you an answer to that question here today, but we're going to wrestle with it. So let me bring it into kind of some common language or common context here, if you'll allow me. Um, I don't know about you, but I love the, um, the opportunity sometimes to see different, like what we would call, and I'm going to use this word very loosely, don't get tripped up on this, like magicians or illusionists, right? People that, uh, that are good with like sleight of hand tricks, right? And there's different things. When I was a kid, I remember I got a little gift that was like three little um, um, spongy balls, like red balls, and you would you would hide one in your hand and you'd put it like in the crevice of your finger and people would say, oh, you don't see anything. Well, duh, you, you know, you're hiding it right there. And then you go poof. And it, and it was just, ah, you know, and as moms and dads, we would see our kids do these magic tricks and they were so fun. And then if, you know, you, you create or you, you develop that skill, you can get really, 
really good in your entertainment value of that, that, that spot there. Uh, a few months ago, some friends of mine were in Springfield. We used to live there and live there in Springfield, Missouri. It's just real close to Branson. Anybody have ever been to Branson? You've been to Branson, Missouri? Yeah, it's like the Vegas, uh, the, the redneck Vegas is what they call it, right? So it's like, it's not as big as Vegas, but it's like, you know, it's the Midwest Vegas. And there's all these shows and different things you go to. And we went to one of these shows. It was an illusionist, right? And he was, he hadn't quite made the, the major leagues, the big circuit. So he was in Branson, right? Okay, so just the level of quality. I'm trying to set the expectation pretty low. So we're in this deal, and it was right in the middle of COVID, or it was right on the end of kind of the things were letting up, and so the room was pretty empty. And he was an illusionist that would draw people up on stage, and I'm looking around this room and going, man, there's a lot of empty chairs. So the reality and the realization that kind of set in the room is everybody in this room is about to come up on stage at some point or another. Like it's gonna, it's that kind of deal, right? It's kind of like it's. It's, yeah, it's tough. So there was this moment when we had this, okay, we're all just going to have to go all into this, you know, and some of it was us a little bit poking fun of the guy, but we're like, we're just going to be, you know, goofy and, and be involved in it. So at one point he was asking for volunteers for somebody to come up and he brought this big contraption out that had this big, like silver, almost like a chop saw type blade on it. It was like, we're going to do this, this trick. And uh, if anybody just wants to come up and let me cut your head off, you know, and some of you guys are like, well, that's weird or whatever, but it was obviously just trick, whatever. So I'm like, I'm all in, I'm like going to be the guy. So I'm like running up on stage. I promise you, this is a side note to the story. It really doesn't have anything to do with anything other than make fun of me a little bit. I got up there to volunteer for this trick and I have such a big melon head that my head would not fit in the contraption that he had there. And he had to call another volunteer up on stage and me just sit here and watch as normal head guy does this trick or whatever. So I'm standing there next to normal head guy and watching this. And I'm going to tell you this. And the reason I'm telling this story is because on the, in the cheap seats, so to speak, in the auditorium there, watching this guy do all these illusions. I mean, I'm telling you, it was mind blowing. I was sitting there in the seats going, wow, this is re- he's really good. Now I was sitting with a bunch of pastors in this little show here. And so part of us was like, I'm not sure whether to clap or to like cast the demons out of this guy or whatever. I mean, it was that kind of deal. I'm like, mind was blown. It was that kind of deal, but different perspective when I'm standing up on the stage here with the dude and normal head guy there <laughs> to which he's now forever going to be known. And I'm telling you that my perspective standing right here of this contraption that was going to cut this guy's hit and whatever um, was a little bit different because I looked at this and I'm like, that is the worst spray painted piece of cardboard looking thing that I have ever seen in my life. Number one, I know a little two or three things about saws and that is not a chop saw blade and not honest, honestly, it's not even completely circular. It's half a circle. And I know that when he puts it down, this machine is kind of shaking it to make it look like it's going around and around. But I'm sitting there going, this is the dumbest thing I have ever seen. And yet you crazy people in the cheap seats are, la- are just like, oh, you know, or whatever. And me, from my perspective here, was a little bit different. I was seeing what was really taking place. Recently, people have sent me some videos on, on magicians that are kind of like doing videos online of how they do their tricks, right? And there, when there's sometimes you see things and you're like, mind blown. How do they do that? I don't understand. And then when they do the behind the scenes video of how they do it, you're like, 
first of all, I was equally mind blown on how they did that. Now I'm equally as just crazy, you know, mind blown here that people actually fall for that because it's so simple and so obvious when you know the behind the scenes. Here's the translation into where God's taking this in this scripture. Bad illustration possibly, right? However, I believe that there are things that happen in our lives that we say, God, no way this could happen this way. I do not understand it from the cheap seats where I sit in my life. And yet there are those moments where Jesus gives us us the privilege of saying, hey, why don't you walk beside me for a little bit? And as we become closer to God, it's almost as if he pulls us sometimes up out of the seats onto the stage, so to speak. And we say, oh, Oh, that's why. Now, trust me, please understand, he doesn't always allow us that opportunity, but there are those moments when he does. And maybe, just maybe, this morning is one of those moments where, where you may be walking through a situation and it may not be as laughable as big head, normal head guy. It may be something tragic where you're walking through a, a situation where you're praying for somebody and you have yet to see God intervene. It may be a situation in your family and you say, God, you're really missing an opportunity right here to show up and give the testimony. And the whole time God's on the the stage of our lives and he's saying, hey, I've got this. I'm working things that you do not see right now. Trust me. And that's a really tough spot to be. That's a really tough spot to be as those that follow Jesus because we still all have a little bit of that kid in us, right? But dad, uh, but, uh, but that, and we, we do that a lot in our relationship with God. So today we're going to deal with this idea that's called God's sovereignty and figure out how we can wrestle through um, trusting God to be God. Another word for this idea of sovereignty is simply this word called providence. I was listening to a speaker this past week, and he said it this way, that providence was the interconnectedness of all things in the story of God and his creation, or it's the timely preparation for future eventualities. It's basically this saying that if we really believe God's still on the throne, if we truly believe that he's the almighty God, the creator of us and all the things around us, then he has to be sovereign, that he is there. It's not as if he said, okay, I'm going to make this creation. Y'all go have it. And I'm just going to step off the throne. No, 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 no. He is still on the throne and he is still sovereign. And this idea of sovereignty means that he is the ultimate authority and he is the final voice. When we wrestle with that idea, it's important for us to do a couple of things. One, to do that in the context of a community of faith like this and also to bounce it up against scripture and to say, God, oh, I'm struggling right now. I'm, boy, I'm wrestling with this. And I'm, you know, there's a, there's a moment where we all do that and we say, you know what, help me pray together with me about this particular situation. But I promise you, we're all, if you haven't yet, you'll get to a spot where you say, God, why? And this idea of God's providence is something that I would love for us to wrestle with today. The psalmist writes it this way. I wish we could all be as, as blunt and as clear as he was in this statement, Psalm 115.3. Our God is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. 
<laughs> well, okay, so there you go. You can be dismissed. Let's all go home, and that's just it. And then in God's sovereignty, he still gives us the opportunity to get to know him better with him being the Lord of our lives. That's a mouthful, right? That's an understanding of the depth of God's knowledge that he is still God. He is sovereign. And that he allows us to, to come to this beautiful understanding of his, his, not only his salvation, but his lordship in our lives that takes us to a deeper appreciation of him and his presence in my life and in yours than ever before. The problem when we think that we have become sovereign or we become the ones that are the the chief ruler of our lives is sometimes when we do that, God says, okay, I'm gonna remove my hand of blessing and, uh, and, and protection on your life and see how you can deal with that. And boy, that's a train wreck waiting to happen. I'm telling you from experience, I would much rather be in that position where say, God, you are God and I am not. And I, I've just simply been called to know and trust you more. So how do we wrestle with this idea of the providence of God? You remember the verses that we read in chapter 12, verses one through five, that Herod intended to do things. He, he killed James and then he intended to arrest Peter and put him together or put him in front of the, the public for trial. There was a, there was an element of humiliation that was probably in that intent, but it was an ill intent that Herod had for him. I'm reminded of the story of Joseph. Joseph was a, a character in the Bible that had a lot of brothers. And if you know Joseph's story, it's incredible because Joseph's brothers had bad intentions for him. And I'm not just talking about like not letting Joseph watch what he wanted to on TV, bad intentions, or calling shotgun every time, bad intentions, or getting Joseph in trouble, bad intentions. I'm talking like selling Joseph into slavery, bad intentions, and, and, and manipulating situations so it looks like to his dad that he's been killed and leaving him for dead and all of these bad things that his brothers had intentions for for Joseph to bring harm to him and in Genesis chapter 50 we see the result of those intentions come to fruition when those brothers are confronted and placed in front of Joseph who has who has gained notoriety for being with Jesus and trusting the Lord And there's this idea of intentions that have conflict. And in Genesis 50, it says his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we're your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Verse 20, it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. There was this um, confrontation, this conflict of when this bad intentioned group of brothers and God's intentions came to this crossroads and Joseph was uniquely in a position to recognize a powerful truth when he said, you intended this for evil, but God has used your poor intentions and his intentions are to work those things together for the good. Can I give you a little uh, encouraging word here today? Some of you are walking through some things that the enemy 
enemy is attacking your life. And there is a spiritual battle that we all walk through. And I'm just here to tell you that what the enemy has intended are meant for evil in your life. When you put yourself in the position of having the Lord be the Lord of your life, his intentions are to, are to work those things together for your good. And you may not feel like it right now. There may be opportunities for you to doubt it. And you say, God, you missed an opportunity. But God's word is not contingent upon your belief. It is true all the time. And even in my unbelief, his word says that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose or intention. And I'm here to tell you today that God is still on the throne. If it's not the, 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 the end, then God is still working in that, right? And trust me, I'm looking around. It ain't the end. Bad English, good truth, right? And God is still, he's still on the throne. You say, Pastor John, that seems really Pollyanna. That just seems like everything's got to be good all the time. Oh, no, it doesn't. This past week, I had an opportunity to experience this. You guys see, I, I posted it that had a friend of mine that uh, is a great minister of the gospel, had an impact on so many lives. And, and this, just the past week, I believe it was Tuesday of this week, is at his home, his kids are there, his grandkids are there. His son, Andy, walks into Tom's office and finds his dad doubled over, and he's gone. He's just gone. He had a heart attack and died right then. Minister of the gospel. He just preached a, a, a retreat the, the weekend prior. He's, his schedule's booked to go raise money for missions all over this world. He was one of those voices that poured into me in different seasons of ministry. And, and all over, like my scroll and feed, all this stuff on social media is just blowing up because Tom Green met Jesus. And you say, well, wait a second, God. He still had some work left to do. And God said, I'm sovereign. Do I understand why? Nope. Don't understand it, but God's still sovereign and his providence, his plan, his intentions are still good. So what do we do when, not if, when we question or we come up against these things that that we question God's sovereignty or his providence? Well, I'm going to share with you three things that I do. And I I hesitated even like putting like the, the preacher three points or whatever. I get that. Because I, I think sometimes we always look for the formula, right? We always look, oh, if I'll just do X, Y, Z, then things will be, you know, real peachy. And it's not always as clean as that. There's this wrestling of our faith that God sometimes allows us to encounter truths in the scripture like, like this passage. God, why did you allow Herod to kill James and yet set Peter up for this awesome miracle? Really? You missed a chance there, God. What do you do when you wrestle with God's providence? For me personally, um, there's three things that through life and different circumstances that I've learned to be as anchors for this kind of season that you may go through. Number one, you remind yourself of God's character. Do you have those people in your life that you know them so well you like, you've been through thick and thin with them. You know that their character is just, mm, it is there. And then there's some times when those people that you have the most highest esteem or regard, they'll do some things that you go, wait, what? But you know their character so well that you may disagree with what they did, but it doesn't cause you to doubt why they did it. 
If you don't have people like that in your life, boy, I need to help introduce you to some friends because you need people like that in your life that you know their character so well. Had some opportunities like this in my life to go through some different leadership moments where people in leadership of me, I I remember a specific time, I won't tell you the specifics of it because obviously those people are all still in ministry and doing it and it wasn't even about them, it was about what God was doing in me. Um, but I, I questioned some of the things that this person in leadership did, and it really was a crisis. Like I was thinking, my goodness, if this person, you know, dear Lord, and someone else came along beside me and, and kind of walked me through this, this process of, do you know their character? I was like, yeah, I, I thought, you know, I, I really, I think I do. And I went through the whole thing and I came to the conclusion, I really do know their character. And it was this understanding of sometimes, and I'm not talking about blind faith and just not being wise and please understand whatever, but there was this moment where I had to realize that if I know that person's character well enough, I have enough grace to be okay to allow them to do things that maybe I don't agree with because I know their character. I know their heart. And yeah, they're going to make mistakes or whatever because they're, they're not God. He is whatever. And what I had realized is that the truth I had to learn about that for me against, uh, with other people, if I didn't learn it for that, it was being impactful on how I responded to God. Uh, maybe you didn't get that because I think maybe sometimes in my life and maybe possibly in yours, and I'm saying that to put it here, but I almost would bet that it's there too, is that there are times when we look at things that happen to us in our lives and we say, God, you really missed an opportunity there to show up and perform a miracle. That loved one died. There's a need in my, my family right now, a loved one that's away from you that God, we prayed and nothing's changed. And God, why, why, why? And in moments like that, church, what I have found helps me is to always remind myself of God's character. Here's what that means. It means going to scripture and reading verses like Romans 2, 4 that says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? I read in Psalms 119, boy, this is pretty blunt, right? You are good and do only good. Well, that doesn't match up with my experience. That's okay. Remind yourself of God's character. Romans chapter 11 says, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. Boy, I got to tell you, for us in our culture, this just really kind of bristles us, right? Because we have a tendency to think we can have, have all this knowledge and, and understanding. And if we're not careful, that knowledge and understanding, it, it is such a hunger and a desire in us. Trust me, I'm not, a, I'm not advocating for lack of knowledge, right? God wants us to search his, his, the depths of his wisdom and learn, continue learning. But if we allow that to, to be a goal in and of itself of, boy, I got to know it all so that I will understand everything that God does and have an answer for everything. You know what we do in that situation? We remove the need for faith. 
And my Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you've surrounded yourself with with people that always have the answers, you should be a little leery of that because we don't have all the answers. God does. And when we put ourselves in the position of just saying, now I'm going to figure it all out myself, then we say, you know what, God, I've got this. I'm on the throne in my life. And that's a really scary place to be. However, We go through these times of questioning that it's important for us to remind ourselves of God's character. And the correct posture, I believe, in that position is to say, God, I really do not understand why you did or did not act in this situation. And it frustrates me. But that's okay, because you're God and I'm not. And all of a sudden, there's this beautiful moment where God says, now I want to teach you something more. Would you walk a little bit closer to me? I'm going to bring you up on the stage and I'm going to show you a few more things. And all of a sudden there's this eye opening like now because we know God's character. Second thing I do when I go in these situations of, of, of questioning God's providence is I remember God's actions. Do you know that God's word says that he's not going to change? He's not going to be one thing one day and another thing another day and, and all over the map. No, he's constant and he, and he loves. He's a God of love and justice. And, and, and that doesn't equate to what we would say, oh, that's fair or equity. Obviously, James and Peter would argue with you on that point, right? Because James was killed and yet Peter's just set up for another miracle. I remember God's action. There's a story in Joshua. I'm not going to read it, but you can see the reference there just for time. I'm going to keep going. Joshua chapter four, he's leading the people, the children of Israel. They come up against the Jordan River. Ah, we're not going to be able to cross this river. He takes it and, and he does a step of faith. The Jordan River parts. They walk through on dry ground. It's a part of their journey to this, this conquering the city of Jericho. It's an incredible story, right? And what does Joshua do? He takes 12 stones and he puts them in the middle of that river and he allows that port. That, that part to be a remembrance of God's actions so that generations to come would come by. What are these 12 stones there? Well, that's when God set us free and he delivered us from, from this, this barrier that was the Jordan River and he made the waters part and we crossed through on dry ground and it was just one step because he was taking us to another victory in Jericho. And I'm here to tell you today, church, that if you're in a season where you say, Pastor John, this doesn't apply to me because I'm just trusting, I'm seeing God's favor, I'm seeing God's blessing and all this stuff, then I'm I'm going to encourage you, put your 12 stones down, right? Put that down as a marker to say, look what God has done. He will do it again. And I'm here to also encourage you to say that the same God who's raised people from the dead, who's parted the, the Red Sea and he's parted the Jordan River and he conquered the city of Jericho and he, and he, and he shut the mouths of lions for Daniel and he allowed the three Hebrew children not to be burned in the furnace and he, and he saved a soul like me and he saved saved people like you. He's the same God and he's still on the throne. And if he did it in the past, he'll do it again. And I'm here to tell you, you remember his actions. He cannot fail. You say in the middle of that, it looks like he sure is failing, Pastor John. It looks like there's an opportunity that he's missing. He said, hey, come up on stage. Come up on stage. Walk together with me. Know my character even more. Remember what I've done in the past. And you'll see the blade is fake. It doesn't make sense to you sitting there, but where I'm at, it makes all the sense in the world, right? There's this idea of God's, God's sovereignty. 
Well, those are great. Those sound awesome. If we could just, you know, really have those moments of God's character and actions really transforming the way we perceive things. But I still question. That's okay. It's all right. It's in those moments you just obey. You are God and I am not. We were talking even in the, the lobby after first service that people were coming and just saying, Pastor John, thank you for this word. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's got to, it's, it was here first because I'm still wrestling with it too, right? There are things and some visions and dreams that I, I would love to see being happening right now currently at Calvary Church that for some reason there's just not that, that fulfillment like, like rapid, like boom, answer. But he's allowing us to walk through possibly this process of growth that it's like, hey, why don't you walk this road with me? And you're going to learn more of my character as we walk through these things than had I just spoken and it been and it just boof, there it is or whatever. But there's a depth of our faith that he's growing in us saying, God, you're God. I'm not. I know your character. I remember your actions. But even in the middle of that kind of resolving the tension, because sometimes I can be honest with you, sometimes it doesn't resolve all the tension that you feel in your life. In those moments, you know what you do? You obey. I was with some leaders this past week and one of the, the, the voices that Kim and I were there and just, she's just been an incredible voice in our, our life for many years. She has this phrase that says, right choices will always bring about right emotions. When we don't have the emotions, when we don't feel like God's inter- intervening at, at the rate at which or in the position at which we think he should, it's in those moments that, that our faith and obedience is really tested because it's in, in those moments where we just do what we know we should do and the emotions will follow. If we get that equation messed up and we say, well, I'm going to let my feelings guide and direct me. It's a really dangerous spot to be. I remember God's character. God, you're faithful and just and you love me. You care for me. I remember what you've done in the past. And God, even when that doesn't work, I just obey. I just obey. Paul said it to the church. They were struggling with this. He said in 1 Corinthians, he says, there's one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. What was he saying? You were created for him to worship him, to say, God, you are glorious. You are worthy. We are here to advance his kingdom. He is not here to advance ours. We just recommit to obedience. The prophet Samuel said this, Samuel replied, what's more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Say, well, Pastor John, I I agree with that. That's great. I just don't know what he said. Read his book. You hear me say this all the time. I don't think there's a, there's a, a secret formula that God is, is hanging for us to try to figure out how to follow this life of faith. He's written us a guidebook. We make it more difficult than it needs to be. Get into his word. Listen to his word. Let his word read you as you read it. Listen to his voice and then obey. So Pastor John doesn't feel that great. It doesn't always feel good. Nobody asked you about your feelings. Oh, he can't say that in this culture because feelings like, you know, I, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. It's one of my spiritual gifts, somebody says. 
It's not true. That's the flesh. God's still working on me. Have some grace. So I was reading through and and kind of processing through all of these ideas and this tension. God, why'd you let James be killed and Peter, you're setting him up once again for this other miracle. You missed an opportunity there. I'm reminded of, of the most promising verse that I can hold on to um, when I question God's providence or his sovereignty. And it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose or intention for them. It's easy to read. It's hard to live it out. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. We can sing it real pretty, right? It's really tough to to walk that out. Pastor Clayton's going to come and help me conclude. We're going to sing that song as kind of a commitment. But as we are beginning to conclude here today, I want to share kind of the catalyst for me going this direction this past week. Um, that God kind of took me through and we were walking through this. I was, I shouldn't say we, I was walking through this passage of scripture knowing that I needed to, to preach from this, this little section here. And we were in a prayer time with some leaders and uh, there was a, uh, a moment for us to kind of share what's the biggest challenge or struggle you have with your faith and your relationship with God right now. Now these are all pastors and leaders and you're like, wow, that would have been an interesting room. Yeah, it was. Because I have a feeling some of the, the struggles and passions that were in that room would be the same as some of those that you are in the room, uh, if you were in the room. But I, I remember I wrote it down in my journal and then I had an opportunity to share it with those guys and, and uh, leaders in the room. The sovereignty of God is something that we all continually have to struggle with and wrestle with and continually, daily put him on the throne in our lives. And it's not something that one day we're just going to, you know, say, you know, while we're on this earth, I got it. I got it. I don't, I don't struggle with that because we're still flesh. And we always try to have these little steps where we take a little bit more of that, that lordship or the throne back from him. I've done that in my life. And, and God just pointed it out again to me this past week. And I just want to share a little bit of it transparently with you that do I believe that God answers prayers and, and heals. Absolutely. Seen him do it. I've experienced it in my own life. And yet God kind of probed deep with me this past week. And he said, Pastor, he didn't say Pastor John. He doesn't call me Pastor John. I said that this morning too. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> no. He probably says, hey, knucklehead. You know, that's probably more appropriate for me. <laughs> But I realized there was an area in my life where, where it's been causing me because of some, in my mind, again, under, go with me, some um, missed opportunities that God has had in my life that it's caused me to question or doubt his, his ability to act in others. Did you hear what I just said? That sometimes when we see God's inactivity in one area, that it causes us to doubt or have confidence and lack of confidence in his ability to act in others. And that's not, that's not scriptural. Like God can do whatever he wants, including nothing because he's sovereign and he's Lord. 
So for years, many of you that you've, this is some, some of you, this may be news or whatever, but some of you, and I'm not sharing this to get sympathy or whatever, please don't do that. But I've been praying for a need in my life for a lot of years. And that is as it relates to my hearing. Like I've said this joking a lot, like, you know, I'm the deaf guy. Well, there's, there's some truth to that. Like I wear hearing aids. Some of you guys that, you know, you, what? And whatever, you know, you're going to be coming up beside me and trying to, you know, whatever. I'll, you know, whatever. Don't do that. You're weird. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget when it kind of came to fruition. I was sitting in a meeting in an office building I was working at. These are my friends around the table. And the Cliff Notes version of it is this. I was sitting there and I knew that I was struggling with this. My wife in her love and grace had pointed this out to me many years. And, and uh, honestly, it was ca- causing tension in our relationship because I wasn't hearing what she was saying. I was sitting in this boardroom and I looked up and everybody's laughing and I had been multitasking or something and I didn't realize what they were laughing about. It took me a few minutes to realize, oh, they're laughing at me because apparently I didn't hear something and respond to something correctly and it made for an awkward moment. They since told me what it was, I I can't even remember, but it was funny. Like if I was on the other side of the equation, I would have been laughing too, so don't. But I gotta be honest, there was a little bit of that eight, nine-year-old boy popped up inside of me that was like, I just want my mom right now. Like don't make fun of me, but it it sparked something in me that, that started a journey or whatever and I thought, you know what? My pride is getting in the way of relationships, even with my wife and different things. And so went and did this whole process, had a great audiologist in Dallas. And long story longer, I have this thing called Meniere's disease. And it causes sometimes bouts of vertigo, which praise the Lord, I hadn't had any of those in many years. God's healing, I, I believe that. Um, but then tinnitus and hearing and hearing loss. And so that's where I'm at. And so I'm like, wow, God, you can... You can heal, I know you can. And yet for some reason he hasn't. So John, what are you gonna do with that? I'm gonna remind myself of God's character. I'm gonna remember his actions. And then I'm gonna recommit to obedience. And there's a freedom in that. Because I'm telling you, there have been seasons in my life where I've put some, some parameters on God's healing. And I've, told, I've even written it in my journals. If I do this, God will heal. If I do that, well, he didn't do that. So if I do this, then God will heal. And all of a sudden, if I'm looking through and reading through that, now I have put myself as the Lord of my life because I'm some way saying I can dictate the hand of God. Like I can tell him when and how he should do things. And all the time God's saying, you know what? If you're still that way, I'm probably just gonna let you walk through that and grow a deeper faith. I don't know what he's doing or why I shouldn't say that. But you understand what I'm saying? We, We sometimes do that. We try to trick it up. Like we try to say, if I'll do this, then God will act. And God the whole time is saying, it's really not about you. It's not about anything that you can, you know, you'll muster the, uh, eh, all that stuff. Just let me be God. Walk beside me. Come up on the stage. See some things from my perspective. Really believe this verse because there's men and women and leaders that have been telling that story. People said, well, I struggle with that too. And all of a sudden I have the ability to say, hey, it's messing up your marriage, isn't it? And they begin to cry. Never forget, standing at a party in Springfield, a a man approached me with the same type issue, and I just read his mail. I said, you're having problems with your wife, blah, 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 blah. And it's not because you don't love her, it's not because you can't hear her, and you're too proud to go do it. 
And it was just this moment. Why? Because all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose or his intention for them. And I'm here to tell you today, church, I don't need sympathy and that's not why I'm sharing that, but I'm sharing this with you to say that in the middle of, of tension and questioning God's providence and his sovereignty, God wants to take us to a place of depth of faith that we could sing, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus and to take him at his word. Because in the middle of that, God brings us to this part of being the Lord of our lives and a deeper connection and relationship to him. And we can just say, there's some freedom in not being the Lord of your life because God wants to be that anyway and he's better at it than you. And we can come to this point where we say, God, you are all knowing, I am not. You are in control, I am not. You are capable, I am not. You're able to perform miracles, I am not. You are able to sustain through tragedy, I am not. You are able to save my family, I am not. You are God, I am not. There's a depth, an understanding that God wants to take us in that, that's free, that's great. And God says, hey, go with me on this journey. You're gonna learn more of me. And you're going to see me do incredible things because he still is in the business of working miracles. We're going to see it next week. Man, boy, he set Peter up for a great um, um, sign and wonder for that. And we got to be okay with him treating James the way he treated him and Peter the way he treated him too because he is God and we are not. Would you stand with me all over this room? As you stand, would you just bow your heads and let's just commit to the Lord our, our dedication to him. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that God, in our lack of faith, that you're still God and you're there and you, you, you believe in us. And so Lord, I thank you for that belief. I thank you that you have faith in us even when our faith wavers. Lord, we give you praise. Pastor Clayton, would you sing that song for us? Just lead us. Tis so sweet. Tis so sweet Thank you, to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. And just to rest upon his promise. Just to know. Thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and more, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh for trust him there's a there's a story in mark's gospel where this father brings this son who's sick and he's have all this impact and influence of demonic forces on his life and jesus is there and he knows that jesus can heal and he says lord if you can he will be healed and jesus says in mark's gospel what do you mean if i can anything's possible if a person believes and then the dad's response to Jesus, I love it. He says, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I resonate with that dad, right? I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. 
And Jesus was understanding of that father too, because the story goes on that he healed the boy. And it was an incredible story. And the disciples asked him, why could we not cast this demon out? And he said to them a powerful statement. He said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And I could probably add a fourth point to that because God's word also says that in our obedience, he says to pray and fast. And if there are those things in our lives, I'm just going to encourage you, spend some time in prayer and fasting to say, God, I just, I'm coming after you. And if you choose the answer to answer, great. But if I just, if the result of this is just me knowing you better, even better. And that's the place of God's sovereignty in our lives. Amen. Well, it's a great truth that I hope you understand. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward, and some of them are going to go to the back as well. Um, the reason why we've done this, just so you know, is so that we can agree together our faith with yours in these moments, even in this word today. I believe, help my unbelief. And they prayed together, and that's what moments like this are for, so that we could pray together with you. James says this, that if anyone's sick, that they should call for the elders of the church, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Do I believe God heals Yes, he does. And he gives us the pattern. He gives us the, the, the methodology of that. So that's why these moments are significant for us to pray together one for another. It's important. It really is. Will you one more time just bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room? I want to ask a question. The reason I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just so you won't be distracted. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. My life right now is far from God. If I were to die today, I'm not sure where I would spend eternity. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, and that the gift of God is eternal life. And you're here today and you say, I would love to know that Jesus has forgiven me of my sins, and I would love to start that relationship with him today. If you'll just do me the honor of, of including you in this uh, closing prayer, would you just raise your hand in this room when I can just recognize everybody else's heads bowed or eyes closed? Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor John, I would love to ask Jesus into my life today. Anybody in the room? Amen. Thank you. I see that hand in the back. Thank you so much. Thank you. Anybody else? Awesome. It's the best thing. I see that in the back. Thank you. Some of our prayer workers in the back that are there. I know that uh, sometimes it's hard for me to see in the room. If you're online, there's a link that'll pop up there. They can pray together with you for the same response. Church, would you pray together for these few in the room that have said this prayer? And as we pray this prayer, those that have raised their hand, well, I'm going to ask you to please get with one of these prayer workers at the front of the back and let us pray together with you. And we're going to ask you to fill out a connect card, not so that we can hound you or whatever, but so that we can walk this faith out with you and, and believe together that God has set you up today to start a new life with him. So let's pray together all over this room. Would you do the honor of praying together with me and everybody in this room, even if you've prayed this prayer before, let's all join together for these that have raised their hands so that we can join our faith with them, with them in this prayer. Would you repeat this, prayer, repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I know you died on the cross for me to forgive me of my sins. Forgive me. I repent. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, the Bible says that all the old things are passed away. The new has come. You're a new creature. He also says that we can walk this out together. So I just want to encourage you once again to find one of these people that are either up front at the back 
or back in the back by the two signs on either side that say pray. And we would just love to join our hearts together with you as well. May the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you in your coming and going and may you be a reflection of God's grace and his sovereignty in your families, in the triad, in every place that your feet go. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Come forward or in the back and we'd love to pray together with you this morning. God bless you.